podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick question for you. Have you started playing daily fantasy yet? And if not, why not? Because if like me, you are already given up on the fantasy team that you drafted at the start of the season because it's doing so badly, then check out our brand new daily fantasy listener league, courtesy of DraftKings, because it could be the game for you. It's all very simple. You pick a brand new team every week based uh, on a salary cap. You enter that team into one or more of our show contests and you try and win all kinds of prizes. We've got merchandise, tickets and good old fashioned cash to give away. And more importantly than all of that, you can embarrass me, Propo, the Guru Sandrini and lots more of your show faves by showing us that you know a lot more than we do. So click the link in our show notes or hit us up on social media for a link. And that way you can join the show league. It's free to enter. And as well as the pay to play contests, there are going to be free to enter competitions all through the season. You have to be 18 plus, of course. And remember, be gambleaware.org. Welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. It is week 12, review time, gang. And all pro Ben Isaacs in the house. We are going to ask some searching questions, searingly important questions for you this fine Monday in November. The biggest challenge to the Chiefs in the AFC. Can anyone take it to them? Is it a lock? They're going to be the number one seed and therefore the road to the Super Bowl has to go through Arrowhead. What about quarterbacks that could be playing their last few games for their current teams? We're going to play stay or go with Ben and look at a handful of quarterbacks that could be plying their trade somewhere else next season. We'll discuss who has the best defensive football right now. We'll look at some of the most impressive rookie performances of the season so far. And we'll discuss who has had the most important win, the most significant win in week 12. We'll weave it all in with some of the key action from yesterday's games and we'll get straight down to business. Everything you need to know, courtesy of the brilliant Ben Isaacs. Ben Isaacs, you are, of course, an all-pro member of the NC Show crew. You are one of the finest journalistic minds of this generation, particularly when it comes to American sports. So you will know all too well about the Black Cat situation at Shea Stadium, the Mets old stadium against the Cubs in the late 60s, when the Black Cat crossed past the Cubs dugout, adding to the the story that the Cubs were cursed, the, the legendary Mets Black Cat. You know all about it, right? Indeed I do. So, 1969. 1969, indeed. So let me ask you this. A skunk was spotted yesterday at the Cleveland Browns. Is this... A sign. Is this a sign that with Deshaun Watson coming back next week, supposedly they've got a back reset? I what I want to know is like what why did the skunk need to punish itself by going to a Browns game? <laughs> I sure how what sort of masochistic tendencies did that creature have? If any like this this does feel like it's something like from an episode of Family Guy. That oh you know there's a there's a skunk running around during a Cleveland Browns game because they <laughs> because they because they stink lol but what what franchise if if I said you right there's gonna be there's gonna be a skunk in the stands what NFL team would it be and I think 
if you had three guesses, you would end up saying the Cleveland Browns at some point. If because... we put that poll out, because I mean, quite <laughs> quite obviously, Propo considered putting that poll out earlier in the season because it's a very logical question to be asked, exactly. asking our, our, our fan base. Um, yeah, I think the Browns would have been front runners. It, it, for me, it's a sign. For me, it is a sign. That... All signs point to staying with the incumbent quarterback. Got to stay with Jacoby. Deshaun Watson, and it's going to curse you. It's going to curse you, Browns. It's not going to pay off for you. I guarantee it. <laughs> Right. I, I, what I want to see is, you know, we 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 love that Bengals um, uniform they wore the other week. The kind of uh, the love Siberian it. tiger yeah. with the with the black and white. Yeah, the Browns should just follow suit now and do a do a black and white skunk stripe uniform as their kind of color rush thing. Tell me, you wouldn't love to see that? They've got to lean into this now because I don't like making grand proclamations. But the Browns will not reach a Super Bowl in the next 50 years because of that skunk. And I oh, think that's just boy, a fact. I love it. That's the that's hot take. Fact. We're leading prove, with hot takes. Prove me wrong, track. Browns. Prove me wrong. It is our Week 12 review show. I actually hadn't thought about that at all. In the same way that the Browns, because of the whole Deshaun Watson situation, not particularly likable. The Bengals, possibly the most likable franchise of the last couple of years, right? For if you neutral your skin in the game, Burrow, that freewheeling, yeah. high-styling, highfalutin kind of offense that they roll whatever propo thinks about zach taylor we love the Bengals. we love with their underrated defense coming good year after year so close in the super bowl we love we love the Bengals. it makes perfect sense now that skunk was obviously given their rivalry was obviously a spy from the Bengals camp it's it's like spygate 2022 style <laughs> they, I, maybe the mean, skunk have a camera that's what i want to know i i would i i wouldn't be at all surprised but my word if the Bengals are worrying about the browns then mm. something Something weird is going on because the Bengals need to be worrying about the other AFC championship contenders, Ooh. whereas the Browns just need to be worrying about uh, are we going to get like protests outside our mm. games? I love that segue. This is why you are one of the best in the business, one of the very best in the business. Ben that is one of the big questions we are asking here on Monday Post week 12, Monday night football, notwithstanding, it's our review show. I'm Mike uh, traveling back stateside. He'll be back next week, gang. Fear not. But Ben very much stepping into the hot seat. And we're going to get into a bunch of key questions, really, after after the action yesterday. So let's start with that. Looking at the AFC playoff race, the Bengals with their win over the Titans, and it wasn't pretty, but then it never really is against the Titans, right? They got it done, took care of business, still rolling, even without Jamar, seven and four now. Second in the AFC North, of course, behind the Ravens, but level in terms of record now. Six in the playoff spot. Let's just recap the, the current playoff picture as it stands at the time of recording. The Chiefs are number one, top of the West, nine and two. The Miami Dolphins with that huge win, shellacking the Texans. Top of the AFC East right now. They're in the number two seed, eight and three. The Titans, despite that defeat, stay top of the South. They're the number three spot, seven and four. The same record as the Ravens, who top the North, as I say, seven and four. The Bills... Eight and three, their win over Thanksgiving, but they're dropping behind the Dolphins right now. Uh, they're in the fifth spot. The Bengals will say six. And the Jets, the Mike White era starts right here, right now, gang. Seven and four. The AFC East currently with three teams in the playoff race. But it's AFC West nonsense. It's all about the East. Bubbling under. You've got the Patriots at six and five. Uh, they... Uh, are uh, of course still very much in the hunt in that east uh the charges six and five as well and then uh everybody else i don't think you can realistically look at as contenders colts jags raiders yada 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 so who is the biggest threat right now in your eyes to the chiefs 
I still feel it has to be the Bills, although part of me wants to say just the entire AFC East is a problem because the Chiefs are going to have to beat potentially two teams from the AFC East to make it to the Super Bowl. The challenge, obviously, is that whoever gets to the Super Bowl is is going to have to win a game in Kansas City. And it's it's how confident I feel about those teams. Now, the, what the Dolphins have done is remarkable. Um, I don't think they've lost the game all season where two has been healthy. We saw the concussion. We saw the fallout from that. When he has been anywhere near 100%, the Dolphins have been absolutely lights out and they've won every single time. The Bills have been sputtering a bit. The Bills seem to win games without looking good, whereas the, the Dolphins look like they're kind of playing to their potential. I feel there's still another level that the Bills can get to. Um, and with that, that makes me feel that they are the team that can challenge the Chiefs. But it's all going to come out in the wash in the AFC East. The, we're going to see in the next few weeks really who is who is the class of that division. We're going to see the Bills and Chiefs play each other. I'm not saying whoever wins that game is going to win the division because they've all they've both got tricky games. The, Bills and Finns play each other. Yes, and that will that's obviously going to go some way to deciding things, even if it's just in terms of the um, in terms of the tiebreaker. But there there are there are tough games that can really throw one of those teams off track. The with the other contenders the. The Titans, I I don't see Ryan Tannehill going into Arrowhead and, you know, out dueling Mahomes and knocking off the Chiefs. I just don't see it. The Ravens, again, inconsistency. I worry about that team. The way that the defense just collapsed yesterday is is pretty scary. The Bengals, <laughs> I just I'm I'm in awe of the way that the Bengals can play without without Chase, without Mixon. They're another team that I feel like we, we're going to see another level from them. And that if a team is going to go into Arrowhead and just light it up and really, if, if they get, if, if a team's going to get in a shootout, then I would, I would think the Bengals have got more chance than anyone at mm. Arrowhead. The, the rest, the rest of the conference, I think we can just forget about, of course, the Jets are in a, a, a great position, um, at least in terms of their record, in terms of quarterback, they're not in a great position. They've got, a lot of soul searching to do there. We're going to get but into that in a minute. Indeed, so. indeed we oh, will. But it's it's the Bills until someone proves proves me wrong. And if anyone's going to prove me wrong, it's the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I uh, pretty much agree with all of that. I think the playoff picture as it stands right now, I think is entirely fair. I don't really, I guess Chargers fans could argue they've been, they've had some bad breaks with injuries. They will still feel... Uh, that they are, in terms of caliber, a, a playoff side, and I guess out of the out of the top seven, out of the current playoff picture, the Jets are probably um, the one that you would exchange the the charges for. The Patriots are just doing uh, once again what Belichick does so well: uh, a defense, exception of Judon, uh, perhaps not made up of very big names, but playing so cohesively as a unit, offense grinding it out like it's two thousand and one. The Titans are basically a version of that, right? I mean, they they are just uh, Patriots 2.0 in that respect. Uh, and and tough tough beats, therefore, worthy of a playoff spot. But for all the reasons you said, not exactly instilling the fear in taking down the Chiefs at home. It's got to be a team that can suck a punch and, and handle a shootout. So for me, I would go, obviously, outside of the Bills, with the Finns and with the Bengals as the biggest threat. I think it's really impressive what 
the Bengals are doing right now. Propo in the house. And hey, Ben, you should feel honored that Propo's turned up for a Monday review show because it doesn't <laughs> always happen. Um, we love you, Propo, don't worry. And uh, you are burning the candle at both ends, of course, with all your World Cup duties too. But let me get your take on it. I know you love T Higgins. Oh, and given Jamar being out for a prolonged period of time, and obviously no Mixon yesterday either, just how impressive has T Higgins been stepping up and being the number one guy over recent weeks? I don't think it can be underestimated just how impressive it is from both a physical talent perspective, but also sort of a character perspective as well, because obviously it's going to be a much more difficult challenge for T Higgins going into this position when he's obviously had so much success over the past year being the number two, when obviously the main attention of the defense has been Jamar Chase. And even when you take away Joe Mixon as well, that means all of the attention is usually on T Higgins predominantly with a bit on Tyler Boyd and a little bit on P Ryan, who was very impressive yesterday. But T Higgins, again, it's not like you're getting these incredible plays that McDaniel's scripting up or Shanahan scripting up for his offense. Like if you look at those T Higgins catches yesterday, oh, they right. are just Joe Burrows, throw them up. Joe Burrows good enough to put it in the exact right spot. T Higgins, go and get it. And that has what T Higgins did. Every single clutch catch yesterday was T Higgins. Every single third down, it was going to T Higgins. And yeah, it wasn't like T Higgins was in loads of space. It wasn't like T Higgins had blown coverage. It was literally just T Higgins going up and making a play at the right time. Mm. Yeah, I, it's brilliant to see that. And uh, you remember, of course, I and Mike uh, getting into this a bit earlier on in the season, the the rule of three, looking at teams where there are a three clear offensive threats that are standout players. Those are the teams that are going to be uh, in the mix when it comes to the deep waters of uh, of the plus. Hey, by the way, are we calling deep waters another Natism five, five pounds in the charity box? Yeah, I think we have to. But there's so <laughs> okay. much. There's so much in the charity box right now, though. It's uh... yeah, it's all for a good cause. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it on, keep it on. I think fair enough. Deep waters is something I use all the time. So, well, deep, but, uh, it, it, deep waters plus playoffs equals five pounds to the charity box. <laughs> yeah. So, the deep waters are the place. But it's but it's a really good point. You look at look at those teams, and you look at if we're now trying to separate all good teams, separate the the exceptional, the very good from the chasing pack there is that consistency I, I think this is and we're going to talk MVP race in a bit but I think this is an unfair knock on Tua in, in that respect because he's got Waddle and Hill Gasicki that that somehow um, offsets the impressive season that he's had because you, Ben you alluded to it earlier he's 8-0 8-0 when healthy this season and he's throwing touchdowns to Durham Smythe for goodness sake oh is he on your list Propo I'm sure Durham Smythe must be on your list of Tied, top 10 tight ends. Yeah, Darius Wife definitely is on the list. There were some sensational touchdown scorers yesterday, I thought. Um, Anthony Schwartz, he wasn't a tight end, but the wide receiver for the Browns, he scored the first, who had him as the first touchdown scorer of the day. <laughs> Anthony Schwartz, the backup wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> yeah. which was excellent. Uh, my favourite is, although I didn't realise that uh, TJ Watt's first name is Trenton, but Trenton Irwin for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think is a great, why would you call someone Trenton? Mm, that's a very answers uh, to our social channels at the NC show. Particularly want to hear from Trentons or indeed parents of Trentons. <laughs> direct those straight to Prop. Sounds proper. too much like Trumpton to me. Trump, yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> Did you see that footage of Trump walking into the restaurant at Mar-a-Lago and everyone standing up and applauding? And you have to do that when Trump walks in. Yeah, you have to do that when Carlson walks in as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> There are so many parallels with those two. Um, just a quick one on, and we'll move on, but just a quick one on the Chiefs and, and Sky Moore, Ben. I want to get your take on Sky Moore because 
high hopes, of course, going into this season. He felt that feels felt like a very uh, good fit for an Andy Reid schemed offense, but he has had a difficult start to his NFL career. And of course, he's had a couple of uh, a couple of missteps, which I think have, have stalled his progress. But he seemed to be more in the groove yesterday uh, watching. Uh, and I was watching on Red Zone, so I haven't seen the game in its entirety, but Scummel kept cropping up. You look at the box score and he was making a bit more hay than usual. What's your take on, on Skymore? Do you think he could be one of those players that in the final third of the season can really start to kick on? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I did have high expectations from the the season that he had last year at Western Michigan was absolutely phenomenal such an exciting player it felt like this was a perfect fit for him they just had to they just had to fit him in the offense um and there are a lot of playmakers there are a lot of playmakers who who came into the league last year and i thought that as a second round pick that was that was great value because he he has the potential that we could say in a couple of years time like wow how how did he not go in the first round I think they need to make sure that they've got plays that work for him. He's he's such a dangerous red zone threat. He's a tough player. And I think I think we've not seen the best of him. Next season, maybe his his breakout year. I wasn't surprised that he had a that he had a good game. I just I just want to see him on the field more. I want to see more touches. I want to see him. I don't know if there's something that they feel he's not grasping the playbook as they would like. I don't know. I want to see him used more because I think he is such an exciting threat. Okay, so the battle in the AFC picking up pace and we'll, of course, uh, in the final stages of the regular season, be keeping our eyes very keenly on that. Let's next up in direct relation to some of the performances we saw yesterday and I guess some of the swirling narratives around some teams right now at this stage of proceedings. Talk about quarterbacks that might well be applying their trade in a different joint next season. Stay or go quarterback. So i got a list here, Ben, but feel free to add to it if you think that okay. me and Papa have missed anyone here. We're going to look at whether they're going to stay or go, whether they're going to be in the same spot next season or are they going to be on the road. Got to start with Zach Wilson because, of course, that is a lot of buzz about him over recent weeks, getting benched for Mike White. Mike White comes in, looks good. It was interesting, I was looking at, a very interesting take uh, via one of the beat writers in the New York Times or one of the NFL writers in the New York Times, I should say, but presumably he's a Jets beat writer um, on the offense that Lafleur has in place there and how it's not necessarily a bad fit for Zach Wilson, but how Zach Wilson isn't adhering to what they want him to do specifically. And Mike White as clearly a less talented quarterback in terms of raw attributes which is why, and I know some slipped through the net, I get that, but tip, obviously if you're going number two overall in the draft versus uh, being a, a career back up to date, there usually is a, a raw talent discrepancy. But White is playing the game smarter, is doing what they want him to do, is looking at the the play action, looking at his check downs and just going through things systematically, comfortably, capably. So the argument there is that irrespective of who you think is the more talented quarterback, White's the better fit for this offense. Now, I'm not suggesting that they're going to lean with Mike White going into next season, but Zach Wilson, stay or go? Is he a Jet next season? Um, I think he's going to have to be just just for contract reasons. I think they're going to have to keep hold of him and see if they can develop him. They've made that sort of they've said they've made that sort of commitment. Mike White is not the future of that franchise, obviously. I say obviously. There's no sign that he's the 
that he's the future of that franchise. Let's not read too much into yesterday's game. I'd have been fascinated to see how Zach Wilson would have performed yesterday because the Bears defense is really bad and had so many players missing in the secondary. Mm. It was set up for a quarterback to have a big game. Sure. And the the narrative could have been so different that if Zach Wilson mm. had played and done well, people Zach's would be like, back. Exactly. And I would <laughs> yes, have, I would have been like, well, slow your roll. Don't read too much into it. Zach Wilson. Uh, Herbert I, as well, of course. So they, you know, their offense wasn't up to much cop either. Exactly. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. All right. You know, so Zach contractually, that kind of, kind of makes sense. I, I guess that they can't jettison yet, but he's on thin ice. Speaking of thin ice, is Russell Wilson one and done? Um, it's well, the Broncos are kind of they've mortgaged their future on Russell Wilson. And I can't think of many trades that have backfired so badly from a financial point of view. It's one thing if you've just got really high expectations, it's another when the amount of capital you've put into it really hampers you going forward if he's not a success. This has been an absolute unprecedented disaster for Denver. This is awful. This has been outrageously bad. He's been bad. He's been a bit weird. Like everything that he seems to come out with is just weird. I don't think he's won round his teammates. He's certainly not won round the fans with the way that he's played. Can they afford to move him on? Who is going to take take that contract on? I just have no idea. There may be a coach who thinks, do you know what? I'm great. Nathaniel Hackett isn't. I can make Russell Wilson mm. how he was a few years back maybe if not the broncos are probably stuck with him for a little bit longer yeah there was an interesting exchange between him and mike purcell right do you know if any you saw that or if uh if not just go and find that on twitter mike purcell russell wilson just say purcell had a few choice words for for, for russell wilson uh and you could understand that that is where things are going to get particularly difficult. Propo was making the point on edge rush last week that this Broncos defense is so good. And the Broncos offense in, in almost any other hands right now. And I don't just mean Wilson. I think Hackett, of course, has to take a big, big uh, share of the responsibility, even if he's offset the, the play calling duties now, but the damage was done by then. In almost any other hands, this would be a playoff side. You know, how talented that defense is. And I know that the injuries on the to the ground game might have had a more significant bearing than than for other sides the way the offense is constructed and the, the personnel involved. But it is extraordinary that they have a team built like this and they're sitting there, what three wins on the season, unbelievable. All right, so but Wilson, as you say, so much capital. I I think you're right. I think Hackett's going to be Hackett's definitely gone, and that whoever they reboot will with will will definitely roll with Wilson for the start of next season. But if they're sitting next season, one and five, say, say bye-bye Wilson. All right, Jimmy G, the 49ers, and he is very much, he's not going to win comeback player of the year, but Jimmy G has been a great comeback story this year. If you think about the context of he was done, they moved on from him. That's always galling for any quarterback, particularly a quarterback that's taken his team to the Super Bowl, even if he couldn't get them over the line. One of those quarterbacks in the Kirk Cousins sphere of he's good, but he's not great. He's never going to be that guy because of his injury. They couldn't get a deal done. So he's sitting there starting the season as the backup with all of this pressure around him and all this attention 
on him as where did my life go wrong? How did I end up here? I suppose he dodged a bullet by not going to the Panthers, you could argue. But then, of course, fate uh, plays its part. He's not just reinstated as a starter, but he's looking really, really good. Some 49ers fans, media suggesting this is the best he's ever been as a 49er. The offense is so exciting. And of course, the defense, one of the very best in the business. So is there any way that they decide to roll with Jimmy G next season and move on? Uh, or is it too much investment in the uh, direction they've already gone? And whatever happens, Jimmy G is going to be moved on. They, they're going to have to eat some humble pie if they keep Jimmy G. They literally didn't want him in the building. Like they wouldn't let him come to meetings. They wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him into training camp initially because that's that's how moved on they were. Like he's he's out. We don't want him near the place because he's going to be somewhere else next season. And then eventually, when they couldn't get rid of him, they thought, okay, well let's let's give him a one year deal. At least we've got a backup. Boy, did they need a backup! Right now, if I said to you. The, the 49ers were going to go to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised would you be? If I, what, right now? At this stage of the right season? Right now, right now. I would be absolutely buying that. Yeah. The way this team is built, I would say it is highly likely that they are going to be in, obviously in the playoffs, but in the NFC Championship game. I think it's and highly a, likely. And a big part of that is the way that Jimmy G tends not to lose games that he shouldn't lose which, okay, is perhaps a polite way of saying game manager. I want to reclaim the term. He doesn't do many things wrong, and his teammates absolutely love him. We've still not seen anything from Trey Lance that proves that he is an NFL starter. We know he's got We've know he's got tools and attributes, but he's barely played in years. Jimmy Garoppolo is doing it in the here and now. But I think they've just got... I think they've got so much belief in Trey Lance and they will feel, well, yeah, we know that Jimmy G can do this, but with Trey Lance, we would be blowing other teams away. I think Jimmy G is gone at the end of the season and he can pretty much pick his landing spot. Yeah, this is this is the key, isn't it? And they've got Miami up next week and, and some people are suggesting, well, okay, based on what we saw against the Saints, and you've got to bear in mind that the ground game got hit early on with McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell nursing injuries. And the short week as well, and the short week from Mexico, uh, you've got to understand that it were those factors when you look at the, the offensive performance. There are people saying, okay, fine, when your defense is playing that well and you're shutting down, shutting out the Saints, sure. But yeah, going back to what we're saying in the AFC, it can this 49ers offense hang in there in a shootout? Is it going to need to with the defense playing that well, quite frankly? Um, but I take the point. The ceiling may be higher with, with Trey Lance, but that's a big if, isn't it? All right. Um, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, stay or go? Um, Does it, feel... depend? it depends on what happens in the playoffs, right? Yeah, it it does. But like, I don't see them going deep in the playoffs. Um, but I, you know, I'm confident they're going to make the playoffs. They could win a playoff game. But at what point do we decide, okay, well, Tannehill has probably gone as far as he can with the Titans and that they need to mix it up. Like we know that Tannehill's done a really good job. We know that he's had a fantastic second act after the disappointments in Miami, that there was a quarterback, an NFL quality quarterback in there that just needed to kind of be coached out. Mm. I'm just not sure they're going to keep with him. I feel that if they could get a young dynamic quarterback who could do more than he does, then it kind of takes them. It takes them over the edge because if you look at the quarterbacks that they're going to have to come up against, in the AFC playoffs, 
I don't think he stands up very well next to them. Unfortunately, he's a, look, he's he's good you, enough to get them there, but how yeah. many can he win? Yeah, that's it. Exactly that. He's good enough to get them there, but what about? The crunch time although i guess the flip side of that is as we talked about the way the titans offense is built and the mo uh, the titans team is built as well with the way their defense plays do you necessarily need that kind of uh high ceiling game changer or actually it's and this is the problem with Tannehill and why there was so much negativity going to the season because it, he deviated from his core strengths which is protecting the ball efficiency in terms of completion rate using the play action when you've got henry that's going to work got a decent arm, if not necessarily the biggest in the business. And actually he's quite mobile as well, underestimated as a, as a runner, right? So, you know, a kind of solid all-round attribute guy, but protects the ball really well. Yeah, that was the kind of key yeah. on him. And then, of course, melts down the playoffs and, and suddenly you take that away. What have you got? And I guess Garoppolo is the same thing. If players like that are starting to cough the ball up too much, then there's a huge amount of attention on well, what what else are we getting from them? Because they're meant to, that's, that's the one thing they're meant to be doing particularly well. Brady, Brady, I've got to have Brady on this list. Stay or go? Is Brady done? Uh, he probably should be. Um, he probably shouldn't have come back for this year. Um, he didn't want to go out like this, though. No, that's the thing. But my my word, I mean, we know he's not going to tarnish his legacy. You can't have that many rings and people are like, oh, but what about that last season in Tampa Bay? He wasn't very good. Yeah. Like, like I, but I don't think he'll want to go out like that. I think he would at least want to go out on a, on, on a season where it's like, yeah, they had a good year. It doesn't necessarily, you know, end with a ring, but it should, mm. it sh- I don't think he'll want to go out like this, but how much can he put his body through? It looked like he didn't really want to come back this year and he did. He's had so much going on in his, in his home life. That's a mm. distraction, but he is such a competitor. I, I would not, I, I think he's going to be back next season, but I don't think, I don't think he should be. And I don't think he wants to go out on a bad season, but no one's really going to remember that. People are going to remember the rings and the records and everything else. Last one, Davis Mills, uh, of course, didn't feature against Miami with Carl Allen stepping in. Not that that made a huge amount of difference. Mills, he done enough to keep the gig for next season? Um, My God, if uh, expectations are low in Houston, so maybe... I mean, he's he's never going to take them particularly far. He's an he's an okay guy. He's someone who I think he can knock around as a backup in this league. He can make a he can make a career out of this and make some make some good money. But he is not an NFL starter. He's not shown us anything that suggests he should be an NFL starter. I know that Houston is a dumpster fire right now, and it's going to be difficult for anyone to win there. But if they are going to rebuild, they need to rebuild around a quarterback. And Davis Mills is not a quarterback. You want to rebuild around. Okay, now, hey, we mentioned the 49ers D, uh, talking about Garoppolo. Here's a question for you. Is the 49ers defense the very best in the NFL right now? That game against the Saints, incidentally, can you tell me, this is stat courtesy of NFL research, the last time the Saints were shut out Ooh. In, a, in a game? Well, I mean, after all those years with Drew Brees, I'm guessing it's like 15 years or something. you got to go higher than that. 2001 Wow. the last time the Saints were shut out in a game. So, uh, and another impressive performance, even if this is not the Drew Brees era that we're dealing with now, there are still plenty of pieces on that uh, Saints offense and the 49ers getting it done. Is it the best in football right now? And if um, not, who's better? Do you know what? I would say an easier, an easier question or a more interesting question could potentially be who's the second best? Because Ooh. I don't, I don't think anyone is particularly close to the 49ers right now. The way that they handle the Saints 
they had about 60 rushing yards against the 49ers. They just they just couldn't do anything anything against against the 49ers. The you remember those those great 49ers teams of the 80s and I remember people saying, "Oh, you know, they're a finesse team." which mm. is kind of code for like, oh, they're, they're a bit soft. And if they get into a street fight against a team that can put it together on offense, which would sometimes happen in the playoffs, they sometimes come up against the Bears, the Giants or Washington without a Hall of Fame quarterback, but the offense clicking and they would beat the 49ers and they would be more physical at times. I think I think it was a bit of nonsense. The 49ers had good defenses in, in those eras. But the way that the team is built right now with, okay, a quarterback who won't make mistakes a really strong running game and an absolutely punishing defense. It's like the polar opposite of what those 49ers teams were built on. I love that contrast. I love this 49ers defense. They are they are mean. They are nasty. They are consistent. They are well-drilled. They are absolutely sub- sublime to watch. And I'd say second best is probably Dallas. But okay, I, well, I, I yeah, think there's I mean, a drop-off. I think there's a drop-off. Dallas would absolutely say we are leading the sack race by uh, a country mile. You've got the aforementioned Broncos who are absolutely balanced across the board. And, you know, for everything we just said earlier on, should be a, certainly a, a conference championship winning defense if it wasn't for the most anemic offense we've seen in years. You've got the Eagles D as well. So I don't, I'm with you. I, I think the 49ers is the strongest, but I don't think it's as clear cut as you're saying. And should hear what our listeners think on that at the NC show. Uh, strongest D. We might even, might even get a poll going proper. We'll speak to nice, the nice. boys on social and see what they reckon there. We'll see if, uh, because uh, quite frankly, me and Propo are putting a running order together for the show. And, and I know I'm as surprised as you are listeners that there is a running <laughs> order. Ben, oh, how do you feel about that? Ben just dismissively saying, I think the more interesting question is, I mean, maybe we should get Ben to do the running order next week. Yeah, I think we should. Also, Nat, uh, five pounds in the charity box for every time you say, I'm as surprised as you are that there's a running order for this. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another one. That, but, is, a, that is a deliberate look, catchphrase, not just a Nat. But I mean, the thing, is, the thing is, we're, we're here on the 28th of November, mm-hmm. and at no point have I heard Nat say the business end of the season. Oh, and we are very that. much at the business end of the season, and yet he's not said it. So to be fair, you know how much I loathe that. So, and the only time I say it is in in with absolute tongue in cheek sarcasm. <laughs> but I will drop a few, and I will also include that in our charity box, five pounds every time I do do it because it's a lot of fun. So the business end of the season. I've got to do that. I've got to drop into that as well. Ben, I want to talk offensive rookies with you, seeing as you are the sage like college guru of the show. Three offensive rookies: Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson. Who do you think has had the the strongest season? Let's kind of look at them, rank them. Propo's going to dig up some odds in terms of offensive rookie of the year if he can find them. Uh, they both, uh, sorry, they all had big games this weekend. So Watson and Jordan Love, of course, connecting with Watson uh, impressively in that Packers defeat after after Rogers went out with uh, with the ribs. Uh, 110 yards, a touchdown. He's had six touchdowns in the last three weeks, Christian Watson. Uh, Garrett Wilson, another big game for him. Mike White feed in off him, two touchdowns, 95 yards. Uh, and Traylon Burks, one of the more uh, unusual but impressive and smart plays of the season so far. Henry breaking off a big run, fumbling. And it was Burks 
getting onto the ball first. So that was his very first touchdown, right? Yeah. What a way to get it. I bet he would have predicted that. So they all had significant weeks. And of course, Burks, I guess, is behind the eight ball in terms of uh, the trajectory of them so far this season. But break them all down. And who is your who is your favorite for offensive rookie of the year? Um, out of those three, I would, if I had to put money on it, I would say Christian Watson, because I think he is kind of on fire right now. It's going to mm. be interesting to see down the stretch what the what the Packers do because obviously they they seem well out of the the playoff race. Christian Watson has been an electric talent. You know, I was I was talking about uh, how Trey Lance has just not played many games and he played at the FCS level just like Christian Watson. And Christian Watson played a hell of a lot of games at North Dakota State and always put up really good numbers, but not not spectacular numbers, like just really good. He was like this kind of consistent player, but you could see he had the tools. And getting him in an NFL offense and giving him a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is just perfect for him. I've loved the way he played. He's a he's a tough guy. He kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder, as do a lot of players who come out of the FCS level. So I would say I would say him out of these three. Um, Garrett Wilson, different sort of guy in that he was. He was a star all the way through Ohio State. Everyone, everyone knew about him. Had a had a, over a thousand yards um, last season and was just absolutely phenomenal at times. The way he could dominate games, but he had Chris Olave opposite him, which really helps because that's someone who is at least matching matching the talent. Now he's got he's had Zach Wilson and Mike White rather than Aaron Rodgers, but we know we have we haven't seen the the proper Aaron Rodgers. I think that Garrett Wilson's had a really good season, but I think we've not seen anywhere near what we were seeing at Ohio State. So if you're a Jets fan and you think, oh, Garrett Wilson, he's good, I would say you ain't seen nothing yet. I think I think this kid is going to really kick on, especially especially when that quarterback position is settled. Um, and Traylon Burks, who is someone who... Um, so he played... He played at Arkansas, you know, and that's a that's a that's a tough place to play because the expectations are high there. Yet they're in the SEC, and they've got to play a lot of very good defenses. And he had a season last year that made him seem like one of the best wide receivers in the SEC of recent years, which is which is tough to do because so many so many greats have come out of there. Um, he would just he would make a lot of catches that I I wouldn't have expected a player to make. He's doing a little bit of that now with the Titans. It's a diff it's a difficult situation for him. And he's only got he's only got about 20 catches, but he's someone who is going to really, really kick on, I think. He's someone I've I've I loved watching in the SEC. And I think we've not seen too much of him in the NFL. And I don't know I don't know if the Titans are proving to be a fantastic fit. And there's a lot of pressure on him because of, you know, who is uh who's gone with AJ Brown uh moving on. Um so out of those three Christian Watson, but what an exciting year of young wide receivers we've had with the likes of Drake London and Chris Alave as well. It's, I mean, it's a, it's becoming a wide receivers league, isn't it? Well, Josh Jacobs says, hold my beer, but uh, it's a fair argument. Hey, uh, Propo, have you got the odds for the offensive rookie of the year out of interest? Who's the favorite? Yeah, I do. At this moment in time, Kenneth Walker is the heavy mm. favorite with Damian Pierce just behind him. Chris Olavi, third. Christian Watson has moved up to fourth. Isaiah Pacheco is now fifth. Garrett Wilson, I think a little bit hard done by. I get a little bit of value on him. He's sixth. And then Kenny Pickett comes in seventh, which I guess is unusual. Oh, I mean, I this always drives me crazy. 
you know, at the start of the season, you look at the uh, you look at the odds for offensive rookie of the year, and it's just, oh, let's just list some quarterbacks who've been drafted, who are going to get, who are going to yeah, start. And that yeah. even happened this year, right? Who's the most likely to start? I'll bet yeah. your favorite for offensive rookie. Yeah, of the year. I, it's it's why I get I get so annoyed about about these about these awards when it's just it's a quarterback award. It's like when we it's like with the Heisman Trophy. Really, we're talking about which quarterback had the most highlights, rather than who was really contributed. Yeah. Hey, listen, last one for you, because you mentioned Kenneth Wilson, that defeat for the Seahawks, heartbreaker, of course, and uh, the aforementioned Josh Jacobs breaking it out in overtime to get it done for the Raiders. Not that it's going to matter a jot, really, as far as their playoff playoff ambitions are concerned, but it could be hugely significant for Seattle, particularly as Washington uh, got the win, of course, against Atlanta. So most important win of Week 12, Ben, is what I'm going to end on with you. The Commanders win over Atlanta, the Chargers win over Arizona, or the Bengals win over the Titans. What was the most important? That's a that's a tough one. Um, I think I think the Chargers, personally, because they are a playoff caliber team that is currently on the outside looking in and needs to start stacking up some wins. They're a team that would be very dangerous in the playoffs. I don't think many teams would think, oh, okay, it's fine, we've got we've got the chargers the bengal's win was obviously important but i think they've they've got enough that they're going to get the wins to get in the playoffs the commanders this may be the sort of win that pushes them towards making the playoffs i still worry i mean the 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 nfc looks so thin that i think the commanders can get in but does anyone really think does anyone think that commanders are going to win a playoff game i i mean feel free to cut that up and Bring it up when they oh, make definitely. the championship We're cutting that game. Right now is already already <laughs> cropping that up. The commanders, but the, but the the Chargers, I think, because they are they are a real contender who mm. uh, they are desperate for wins right now. Absolutely desperate. With like the AFC West hasn't become the division we expected. The AFC East has become that when where it's like any we we felt oh any team in the AFC West could make the playoffs, but the Broncos and uh, Raiders have proved us wrong there. So mm. the commanders, yeah, great win. They've had a they've had a really interesting season, but I think they're just setting themselves up for a, a situation where they've still got to find they've still got to find that quarterback. Whereas the Chargers, they need to build on these and they need desperately to make the playoffs. And yes, there was mm. a big step. They've got an interesting run in actually. The Raiders up next, the Dolphins, the Titans, the two tough games sandwiched in between, then the Colts. Uh, the Rams, and then the Broncos. So that's four wins, you would think, if they want to be a playoff team, you'd expect four wins. So they can pick up one out of those two games between the Dolphins, or rather with the Dolphins and the Titans. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna make it, right? Ten and should, it, should, and, should make it. Yeah, and then dominoes can start to fall because that would be amazing for the bills if the if the dolphins can drop that game but it is yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it is a re- it is a really tough one oh, um we are getting to a really interesting stage of the season i'm not going to drop business yet i will i will choose the moment that i drop my first business official business end of the season and you know what proper we might be double down with the charity box when i do we might drop 10 in there uh to boot brilliant stuff benny at tweets from is how you follow the big man on Twitter. We're going to drop a college day soon. Uh, somebody was asking about that on uh, on Twitter only the other day. Uh, so we are going to drop a college days imminently. We'll be looking, well, uh, at uh, the key matchups as we get towards bowl season, the national championship, and of course, uh, start to take a look ahead at the 2023 draft and the names that you need to know about uh, that will be playing in the NFL sometime very soon. Ben, look after yourself. Thank you. I will see you soon. 
See you very soon. We are back a Wednesday. Christian Scott and Williamson in the house, welcoming him back to the show. Uh, edge rush dropping soon and some more fantasy stylings courtesy of the Guru James Sontrini on FFS. Shout out to SBK, DraftKings, College Football Island, our sponsors. We will see you Wednesday with Christian. Bye for now. Podcast Network.